Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Hi, welcome to the Officer Roll Call Podcast. I'm Paul Pelusa, the editor of Officer Magazine, and I'm joined today by Frank Borelli, the editorial director of Officer Media Group. How's it going today, Frank? Good day, sir. It's going pretty good. Hey, great. And... Yeah, we're, we're in November now. We're in early November, and that means uh, Veterans Day is coming up on Friday. And yeah, we kind of wanted to talk about the uh, connection of law enforcement and uh, military and how you know there, there's a definite pipeline um, from the military into law enforcement, into that career, and how, you know, according to U.S. Census data, um, about 6% of our population in the U.S. Is, has served in the military, but about 20% of law enforcement are military veterans. So definitely see um, within the law enforcement career that you have a lot of military veterans uh, serving as officers. Uh, is that something that you've seen, Frank, that correlation? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think it's probably a lot bigger than 20%. Uh, depending on where you are. I know of an mm-hmm. agency at one point, they strictly recruited uh, from the ranks of prior service Marines. Um, they, they were looking very much for the, uh, the spit and polish, uh, strict discipline, dedication to a given entity. Uh, so, you know, they, they recruited heavily out of the Marine Corps and, and, and verified or valued their uh, esprit de corps there but uh, I think most agencies, and I've seen this especially when I talk around the country, I think most agencies at one point were probably closer to half, uh, and we've seen some reduction there. I think it's still pretty high, and I think if you look at different disciplines within law enforcement, you look at your guys that are on SWAT teams, I'd be willing to bet half or, or more of them are military veterans as well as uh, being on the police department. And, and why do you think that is that law enforcement agencies have historically recruited uh, military veterans? Well, because law enforcement, by its very nature, is a paramilitary uh, organization and operation. You have a command structure, you have uniforms, you, you have uh, segments of, a, of an organization, whether, you know, in the military, you call them squads, platoons and companies, and battalions, regiments. In, in law enforcement, we call them squads. Some agencies have platoons, uh, definitely training academies have platoons. Uh, you break the agencies down into sectors or beats or patrol areas. Uh, the structure lends itself and the understanding of the uniform, the understanding of chain of command. Um, if you have somebody who's never been in the military, you have to teach them all of that in the academy. And I use my academy class as the example. So when I went through, uh, there was a little more than 60 people in my academy class, our class president. The, the student officer they held responsible for leadership was a prior service Marine. Um, I was first platoon leader and uh, we had two platoons and I was prior service army. Second platoon leader was prior service army. Uh, you know, they put the people who already understood rank and structure and chain of command into the positions to guide the others. Um, it just, it lends itself to it. It saves time and it's more efficient. If you can recruit out of the military, you get people who've proven themselves. Normally you get a higher standard of fitness, um, which is a, an ongoing challenge everywhere. So I, I think it just, it, 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 it's one of those quote unquote, no brainers. If you recruit military veterans to law enforcement. Yeah. And I was going to say, especially like, like you talked about fitness and, uh, prior knowledge of tactics and, uh, firearms knowledge. And, you know, the, the ability to 
function on the range that that that's prior experience you've had um that uh, you would think that that definitely helps you'd be surprised how much of that doesn't carry over too i mean okay. your your average uh, infantry officer or grunt i should say your average infantry troop um is familiar with uh, an m4 m16 style weapon some of them are familiar with belt fed or uh, automatic weapons most of them aren't really familiar with a handgun. They don't get qualified with it because it's not necessary to their job function. Um, and then, you know, most of law enforcement, it's all about the handgun and then a rifle as secondary or a shotgun, a long gun as secondary. Um, it never ceased to amaze me the number of guys I had on the range that were prior service military that were not proficient with a handgun, but they could shoot the heck out of an AR-15 and just amaze you with their skills. Um, but the knowledge, I don't want to say knowledge, the familiarity with how firearms work um, and, and safety with them is something that's definitely already ingrained in there if you're hiring somebody out of the veteran corps. When it comes to functions on duty, like, like patrol, for example, I know that you have some military police uh, experience and background. Um, did that help when, when you joined, uh, joined your department? Well, so with, with military policing, it, it definitely did. Um, yeah, I was an active duty military policeman. And of course, you still, there's a difference between constitutional law and how police officers in the civilian world have to operate and the Universal Code of Military Justice, UCMJ, that governs all enlisting commission personnel in the militaries, our various branches of the militaries. Um, but you still have a lot of skills that carry over. I mean, arresting someone in is arresting someone. Um, officer safety is officer safety. Building searches are building searches with and without a canine. Uh, you know, when you go to put handcuffs on somebody, there's the handcuffs go on people. The handcuffs don't change just because you're in the military or you're civilian. Handcuffing people is handcuffing people. Uh, using a baton is using a baton. Um, there's a lot of that does carry over. And then even just doing the job, going out on patrol, um, not falling into patterns, knowing where you're hotspots are, knowing where your friendly people are, um, sometimes learning to deal with the mundane and the boring, and then the, the moments of sheer terror. And, and if you've got somebody who's going into a police academy at 21, 21 and a half years old, and they've already done that for three years, they've, they've got valuable experience compared to the, the person who got out of high school, got a two-year degree in college, uh, has never been challenged, might or might not be physically fit, doesn't know anything about how to wear a uniform, um, doesn't know what chain of command is. You know, they, they've got a lot, it's a, it's a whole different process. And a lot of agencies today, they actually do hire, they have a preference for or a mandate for a college degree that they won't waive for military service. And I don't, I don't think they fully appreciate the different weight of the experience versus the education. I, I think they ought to be taking those military service vets uh, in a heartbeat. And yeah, so when you talk about the, you know, the current climate within the last, you know, even three years um, that, that you've had, you know, of course, the defund the police uh, talk and, and kind of the move away from, you know, the, the, the view as it being a paramilitary uh, organization, law enforcement to more of, you know, social work. And community policing, community policing has been around for a long time, of course. Um, where do, where does the military still fit uh, with, within this role? 
uh, military veterans within law enforcement, and especially just the idea of how has law enforcement changed, but also how has the military changed, and how has that kind of added to um, what can be offered for veterans uh, going into law enforcement careers? Well, you know, I, I can't really speak intelligently to how military's changed. I've been yeah. out, uh, you know, I went in the National Guard, so I was active duty Army, and then uh, I did eight years in the Guard from 95 to 2003. So my most recent experience is 19 years old. Uh, and I think some of the educational benefits then were the greatest thing that I had seen changing in the military. Um, but, you know, when we talk about the, the quote unquote demilitarize the police, a lot of that's about the equipment and the appearance. And the people who were upset, I know during the Obama administration, people were upset about law enforcement agencies getting surplus tanks. Well, they weren't getting surplus tanks. They were getting surplus armored personnel carriers. And there's legitimate uses in special operations and tactics and SWAT teams for armored personnel carriers, for APCs. So if I can get one that's completely serviceable for my agency surplus for free versus having to buy one commercially, it's a big budget savings if I get it for free. Now, if it bothers somebody that my SWAT team has a black APC, I think they need to get over it. But when they talk about demilitarizing the police, they don't want police to have rifles that look like M4s. Well, an AR-15 is a semi-automatic only variant of an M16. It's just part of how it goes. Um, you know, we, when, we, when you look at the evolution of SWAT, you can almost track it to the evolution of our military forces 20 years earlier. Uh, we, we tend to follow that curve. Um, so, you know, the whole demilitarize, demilitarize the police movement, that's, that's another political boondoggle. That, that's, uh, it is what it is. Making police officers social workers is kind of a challenge. Um, we are doing things different. And I think that even then our military veterans that are in law enforcement now um, are have proven flexibility, have have proven the ability to improvise and adapt as circumstances change. And I think that's a great skill that every cop needs to have. I'm not sure all of them have it. Um, and, you know, you talked about the cops movement, the concerns of police survivors is not what we're talking about. They are a wonderful organization. We're talking about community oriented policing. And even that isn't really about demilitarizing the police or taking power from them. That's all about just working efficiently with the community to create solutions for perceived problems. And then the military school of pre-planning, the military uh, learned skill of pre-planning. Uh, and then, you know, you develop your plan, you execute your plan. That, that, that comes in great for community-oriented policing. Um, most of our deployments for our military for a long time were peacekeeping missions where we had to work with the local governments, uh, whether it was at the village level or the national level. And um, it's, you know, depending on what your rank was, that may have been something that you did all the time on a deployment. Uh, so I, I think that there are all those skills that the military can, sh can uh, share, train, and, and, and increase proficiency with. I think they all serve law enforcement uh, if that's where the person goes when they get out of the service. Great, Frank. And I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, a, a new kind of change in mission um, from someone, an uh, organization that's kind of partnered with us a little bit, uh, Folds of Honor, uh, which a lot of people might be familiar with. Uh, they provide scholarships to spouses and children of uh, fallen and disabled uh, military service members. And it was a uh, 
founded in uh, or created in 2007, and it's awarded nearly 44,000 scholarships, totaling nearly um, $200 million in, in those scholarships that can be used for things like um, tuition for private school, uh, tutoring funds for uh, tutoring, so those children can get uh, tutoring, um, and then post-secondary education uh, scholarships for things like college for both those kids and the children and the spouses as well, uh, the survived uh, widows. And basically what, what happened, um, I think about a month ago or so, so that this for this coming year, they're going to open up um, applications for public safety, for um, law enforcement, um, fire personnel and EMTs and paramedics, the surviving families of, like I said, if an officer or even firefighter is severely injured and they can no longer do their jobs or they've um, fallen in the line of duty, these families can um, can apply to receive funds that help with these scholarships uh, for education and for tutoring. And it's, yeah, it's a really good effort um, on their part. And Folds of Honor is very well known, um, you know, within the military uh, community. But of course, there's so much carryover that the uh, a lot of law enforcement are already aware of them. And um, the fact that they've, they've kind of, uh, you know, brought in that mission a little, uh, yep. I, I think is really great. And just to sort of wrap this up, Frank, I wanted you to talk about, can you kind of talk about your, um, when you entered the military and to that like boot camp phase, <laughs> the differences when you um, went through the police academy and also kind of the camaraderie, you know, in the military, in police. And now when you see, you know, military veterans um, at some of the shows that you go to, say SHOT Show and IECP, you know, j- just kind of encompassing some of that, how, you know, so if you share some of that with us. that That's all about just having some of the same experiences. So, yeah. um, and it's still different. I mean, when I was in the army, um, when I went in, I, I can tell you exactly the morning I went in, the time when the, the recruiter picked me up, the MEP station I went through, and I was part of an experimental uh, travel program. So I took a train to uh, Anniston, Alabama to go to basic training and military police school together uh, at Fort McClellan, Alabama. Uh, MP school now is at Fort Leonard Wood. Um, you know, and, and my experience was entirely different than, as the example, my son's experience who reported to Paris Island from Marine Corps boot camp. Um, the different, different approaches, different from the special police when the guys go for Air Force boot camp. Um, but we all learn some of the same things, and, and we learn them um, early on in basic training. Uh, and they, they, there are some of them are discipline characteristics, some of them are philosophy characteristics, some of them are just as simple as we learn not to quit because we're not going to be that guy. Um, and, and some of those common experiences do open doors for communications. Uh, example I'll give you is I was a police security expo. Uh, a couple of years back and talking to a guy in a body armor booth and he had a second ranger battalion tattoo. I'm not, I'm not a ranger, never pretend to be something I'm not. I'm a military policeman or was a military policeman, but you know, guy's a ranger. He's in the army. We start talking about being in the army. Uh, in this case, he happened to also be a fellow Freemason. So we're talking about that brotherhood as well. And we walked away and somebody made the observation that we were talking like we were brothers and we'd known each other forever. And I said, well, it's not so much that we are brothers of a sort, 
and in this case, twice over. But our comfort in talking to each other is that we know some of the same things. And when I was asked to articulate those same things, that was my challenge. I was like, I don't, I don't know that I can articulate this clearly, but we know what it's like to just not quit. We know what it's like to do things we don't like doing. We just have to do them anyway. We know what it's like to avoid the distractions and focus on the mission because that's what we have to do. Um, and, and I truly believe veterans of any branch can relate to those three things, if nothing else. And law enforcement, if they're really dedicated to it, they can relate. Those same three things all apply. Uh, just don't quit. You don't have to like it. You just have to do it. And you focus on the mission, not the distractions. And uh, fatigue, hunger, discomfort, they're all distractions. You, you can function through all of them. And I think they're valuable lessons that the military veterans carry into law enforcement, and we're lucky to have them. So I hope I answered your question. Thanks for sharing, Frank. And um, yeah, Frank and I would just like that, you know, thank everybody out there um, who has served in the military for your service on, uh, you know, this Veterans Day. And would, would like everybody to, you know, shoot us a message at editors at officer.com. Uh, that's editors at officer.com uh, with any feedback and anything you might want us to co cover in the future on this podcast or even on the website and magazine. So uh, anything you'd like to add, Frank? I want to thank every veteran out there for having written the blank check and every one of them knows what I mean. Celebrate well on Veterans Day, my friends. Hey, thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Officer Roll Call. Be sure to check back every two weeks for a new episode. Stay safe.